Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Folks, we're teetering on what could be an economic meltdown, threatening to wash away our savings and retirement. Inflation has surged to levels unseen in 40 years. Gold is the smartest and most responsible investment you can make for you and your family in times like these. A safe haven asset that protects your purchasing power and your wallet from inflation. When it comes to protecting your IRA or 401k, trust only the best. My friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold has earned the highest trust ratings in the precious metals industry and builds relationships based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwithlou.com today or give them a call at 844-6484-LOU. Don't wait. Take control of your retirement today. Call 844-6484. 84-L-O-U and speak with one of their experts. Time is of the essence. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwithlou.com or call 844-648-4LOU. Hello, everybody. This is The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome. Great to have you with us. The carnage in Israel continues for a fifth day. Since Saturday, Hamas has reportedly killed more than 1,100 Israelis, wounded 4,000. The United States has also confirmed at least 22 Americans have been killed in the terrorist attacks. Mortars and artillery rounds were fired into Israel from Syria. Hezbollah terrorists exchanging gunfire with Israeli Defense Force soldiers and IDF soldiers found babies that have been beheaded by the Hamas terrorists. The spokesman for Hamas issued a threat, saying an Israeli hostage will be killed for every bomb dropped on a civilian house by Israel without prior warning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, an address to his nation, saying Israel didn't want this war, but now that they have it, they will finish it. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. Once the Jewish people were stateless, once the Jewish people were defenseless, no longer. Hamas will understand that by attacking us, they've made a mistake of historic proportions. We will exact a price that will be remembered by them and Israel's other enemies for decades to come. The savage attacks that Hamas perpetrated against innocent Israelis are mind-boggling. Slaughtering families in their homes, massacring hundreds of young people at an outdoor festival, kidnapping scores of women, children, and elderly, even Holocaust survivors. Hamas terrorists bound, burned, and executed children. They are savages. Hamas is ISIS, 
And just as the forces of civilizations united to defeat ISIS, the forces of civilization must support Israel in defeating Hamas. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. I want to thank leaders across the world who are standing with Israel today. I want to thank the people and Congress of the United States of America. In fighting Hamas, Israel is not only fighting for its own people, it is fighting for every country that stands against barbarism. Israel will win this war. And when Israel wins, the entire civilized world wins. Prime Minister Netanyahu pledged to eliminate Hamas. And while Netanyahu took that powerful stance back home in America, a retired Navy Rear Admiral and current National Security Council spokesman, John Kirby, went on live television to cry. I, uh, <clears throat> I, it, I'm sorry, it's, it's very, <clears throat> excuse me, very difficult to look at these images, Jake, uh, it, it, and the, the, the human cost. And these are human beings, they're family members, they're friends, they're loved ones, cousins, brothers, sisters. Yeah, it's difficult, and I apologize. I'm not sure that is the best image for any representative of the National Security Council to portray in the war against radical Islamist terrorists like Hamas and Hezbollah. The Democrats talk tough when it's convenient for them, but seldom follow through. It's worse than that when it comes to Israel. Back in 2021, with the Marxist Dems in control of Congress, the Marxist Dems blocked funding for a Republican bill that committed $73 million of funding for Israel's Iron Dome system and $177 million for Israel's shot-range ballistic missile system. And just the other day, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan held a press conference where he laid out how Iran was involved in making this terrorist attack possible. Sullivan was asked if the United States will commit to refreezing that $6 billion the Biden regime released to Iran. We have not yet had a dollar of that $6 billion spent, and I will leave it at that. But will you refreeze it based on this activity that you just laid out, all of the ways that they are complicit in this? You, the administration said that if we see them going in the wrong direction, that we would stop that down. I understand the position that you guys have, that not a dollar of this has been spent. But will you prevent it from getting into their hands to allow them to you know, do, do what they do that you just laid out. Let me just reiterate what I said, because it's unequivocal. Not a dollar of that money has been spent, and I will leave it at that. Joining us now to take up the war in Israel and much more is Colonel Doug McGregor. Doug is the CEO of Our Country, Our Choice, and you can check them out at OurCountryOurChoice.com. Colonel, just want to say great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. Let's get to what is on everyone's mind. And that is the Hamas attacks against Israel and what is obviously the beginning of retaliation on the part of the Israeli Defense Force. Well, the Israelis have now assembled a force on the ground of uh, 470,000 troops. That's a larger force than the uh, regular army of the United States right now. And they're obviously uh, focused on Gaza and a large portion of that force will ultimately conduct operations there, but they're also focused on the northern border uh, with Lebanon and Syria. 
in the event that uh, someone there might uh, decide to try and take advantage of what's happened with Hamas. So I think the Israelis have done what they can do right now, and they're organizing themselves effectively. We should be concerned that the Israelis uh, execute this mission uh, and to their satisfaction, but at the same time preventing this event from becoming a wider war. And that danger is very real right now. We're, we're already overstretched in Ukraine. We don't have the ammunition, the missiles, the rockets, and so forth uh, to supply anybody else at this stage. Uh, we're spending ourselves into oblivion in Ukraine. So we've got to be very careful what we do right now in connection with what's happened in Israel. And I know the Israelis are angry, but this is a time for reason, not emotion. And the most important thing is to contain this and prevent it from spreading. Right. I, I, Colonel, you and I agree about so much, uh, but I have to disagree with you on, on, on this point. I believe that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is exactly right when he says uh, he wants to level Gaza. Uh, and uh, destroy Hamas. There, I can't even imagine if these were American citizens uh, who were slaughtered as Hamas slaughtered the Israelis uh, in their homes and on the streets uh, at a music festival, you name it, beheaded babies and uh, IDF soldiers. Um, I have to say, I, I, I can still feel the, the burning in, uh, in my stomach when I think of what happened on September 11th. That'll, I'll never forget. We lost friends. We lost people we knew uh, in that moment. To see this, this uh, outrage, uh, I, I don't think that Israel should be ever asked by any one of us to tolerate having on its border a Gaza Strip filled with two million people, most of whom want to destroy every single person uh, in Israel. Uh, your thoughts? Well, uh, you've got to expand that. And if you're going to condemn all two million people inside the Gaza Strip, which is about 140 square miles, you might as well lump them in with several hundred million Arabs, Turks, Iranians uh, and others. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem here is 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 as follows. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, uh, Hamas, why should I lump them in? I don't understand. Because because, as Sharon said a long time ago, when uh, I think it was Ayatollah Khomeini said that uh, at some point Israel will be wiped off the map or vanish from the map. Mm -hmm. He said, well, you know, that's what everybody in the region thinks. And I think we just have to keep in mind that Israel is surrounded universally by people that would like to see Israel go away. Right. Uh, there's no question about that. So, you know, the question is, what do you do about the two million in Gaza? Uh, all two million are not part of Hamas. All two million may not even like Hamas, although right. all two million undoubtedly dislike the Israelis. As as I said, the millions of people that surround the country hate Israel. Even yeah, the Arabs see. who live inside Israel hate Israel. Right. I mean, when I was last over there, uh, I was really quite struck by it. I had several conversations with Arabs uh, who were living in Israel, enjoying a higher standard of living, by the way, in Israel than they would in any Arab country enjoying better health care, better security than they would in any Arab country. And yet all they could talk about was, who do you think uh, we can find that will help us destroy Israel? 
I mean, this is uh, th- this is absurd on the face of it, but it's a reality. It Israel, is a reality. The Israelis but it's know a reality. That. The Israelis. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, the Israelis know this, and they also know that not everybody in Gaza is part of this. I've visited Gaza. I've visited the Israeli fortifications and lines around it. I I was admittedly shocked, as I'm sure the Israelis were, that uh, the Hamas fighters breached. Israeli security as easily and as rapidly as they did, because I can tell you from having been there, the Israelis had created a very tight network uh, of early warning and control all the way around Gaza. So this this is another one of those events where the enemy managed to do something that no one expected and no one anticipated. The Hamas fighters managed to coordinate, organize, plan and execute all without tipping their hand. And normally, you know, the Arabs are very talkative. They're very talkative on, in every single conceivable way, which makes it security for them almost an impossibility. Nothing remains a secret. So for this to have happened means that... Well, don't, don't tell the, that to Osama bin Laden or his uh, <laughs> descendants. Uh, he, he kept the, the global uh, intelligence uh, agencies uh, at bay for a decade. Well, the, <clears throat> the point is that the... Israelis have been pretty astute and uh, expert at dealing with this, uh, and they were they were fooled. And the behavior of the Hamas fighters was not anything the Israelis didn't expect. They've dealt with this before. If we go back to previous wars, whenever Israelis men and women fell into the hands of their opponents, terrible things happened. And uh, this was very much they behaved very much like ISIS, Lou. Uh, which was pretty reprehensible. But you, you've got to also understand that uh, the Turks and the Iranians are among those who have uh, helped and advised and assisted the various uh, non-state actors like Hamas in the region. And uh, they are equally opposed and hostile to Israel. And the, the challenge right now is that this thing not get out of control and become a regional war that could then conceivably even drag in the Russians. And obviously the Chinese in the background will support the Russians and the Iranians. So, so we need diplomacy on the part of Washington. They, oh. they need to get involved and prevent this. And I don't see any evidence that anybody's doing it. I don't see any evidence that anyone could do it in this administration. Uh, Anthony Blinken had to delete his first tweets calling for restraint, for God's sake. Uh, I, I, the Biden didn't speak to this issue for over two days. Uh, this is not a, a Jake Sullivan is missing in action. Uh, and perhaps that's all just to the good, uh, because they are the same people who brought you the Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian uh, invasion by Russia. They did nothing to stop it, to forestall it uh, and to negotiate a, a way around it. Uh, when you say diplomacy, who are we waiting for? Because it, there's no one in this administration who has the standing, the intelligence, the talent or, or the will uh, to uh to stand up and and to take diplomatic initiatives. Well, the more immediate problem, for example, is that uh, the president of Egypt, who just uh, 24 hours ago stated that Egypt would remain neutral and would not involve itself, has now announced that he's preparing to send a convoy uh, with humanitarian aid into Gaza through the entry point at Rafah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was recently bombed by the Israelis. But the problem is, uh, you know, the Israelis have cut off the electricity and water. 
They want to make life miserable inside Gaza with the hope of identifying Hamas or getting the people to surrender Hamas. Well, that's going to be a very difficult task now because the Egyptians, they are also under great pressure from within their own country and in the region to provide humanitarian assistance uh, to the Gaza population. So the Israelis now have to contend with the, the question of do we let them in? If we let them in, how much do we let them in? How far can they go? If we don't let them in, do we end up in a shooting match with Egypt? The last thing Israel needs is a, an active front with Egypt. And on top of that, you have President Erdogan, who is now uh, saying he's going to talk to the U.N. Uh, General Secretary, as well as to President Putin, about next steps. He's already said that he's uh, offended by the fact that we shot down one of their drones over Syria. And he will not tolerate the uh, humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza. So you've got you've got various actors who, for various reasons, are exploiting this. But this whole thing could blow up very suddenly into something we don't want, just as we do not want a direct confrontation with Russia in Ukraine. We don't want a confrontation mm -hmm. with Iran and Turkey or any other major actor in the region. So that's my point on diplomacy. Right. You've got to get people out there to, to diffuse these things and at the same time ensure that the Israelis can execute this operation and clean out Hamas. It's not going to be easy, and they know that. But we want them to be able to do it if, they, if this war widens, if Hezbollah is suddenly introduced into the equation, which would inevitably bring in Iran. If the Syrians are become enraged over this and the Turks decide that they want to cast their lot, we've lost control. And this will become a war that will grow and grow and consume everyone. I, w I want to be clear. I do not want war with anyone. I do not want our troops engaged in any war, uh, no matter what. Uh, I want a standoff solution militarily if there is to be a military solution uh, and involvement. Uh, but I am very uh, suspicious about the talent and the abilities of the general officers of the United States military right now. I know the civilian leadership is absolutely bonkers. Uh, and I, I literally would break into a sweat at the thought that our commander in chief would be Joe Biden uh, responding to the threats that you just talked about. We're talking uh, with Colonel Doug McGregor. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
now. We're talking with Colonel Doug McGregor. We're talking about the United Nations and its concerns about what is happening uh, in Israel, the Gaza Strip, uh, the Middle East broadly. Uh, The United Nations actually admonishing uh, the Israeli government uh, to remember that under international law, no retaliation against Hamas uh, is uh, acceptable and is, in fact, in breach of international law. Your reaction to, to that statement from the United Nations, Doug? Well, I think there's a reason why we ignore the U.N. most of the time. And you just just outlined it. Obviously, the Israelis have every right to respond and I'm sure they will. As I said, they've they've amassed 470,000 troops. They have excellent technology, excellent weapon systems. Uh, the, the only thing they may not have enough of, but we don't know as yet, is ammunition, because they shipped uh, a huge quantity of their artillery ammunition to Ukraine at our insistence, and they're going to need a lot of artillery ammunition. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, they're going to they're going to go after Hamas, and and they absolutely should just as we went after ISIS, and we should all support that. The key is to help the Israelis do this without inviting wider war and and essentially insulating Israel from that particular challenge. I hope we can. I don't know what the administration is doing. I don't know what their policy stance is on any of this. Like you, I haven't heard anything definitive, but we've got to be very careful about how bellicose some people sound. I, I was listening to former Secretary of State Pompeo, whose uh, solution is to attack Iran. Yeah. Well, that could lead to the wholesale destruction of Israel. And that's certainly not in our interest. It is not in Israel's interest. There's got to be a different way to, to do this. And uh, that's just what we don't need. I was shocked to hear uh, Huckabee, who is supposedly a, a, a minister, basically say that uh, we are just as involved as as Israel, that uh, this is an attack on us. Well, no, it's not an attack on us. We've got attacks on the southern border and attacks inside our country right now that are as bad, if not worse, as, than what you've seen with Hamas and in greater numbers. But we don't report it. We don't discuss it because this administration doesn't want to protect the country. Let me, uh, we, let me we report gotta, it right we got to get straight. Yeah, let me report it right now. What what uh, Colonel McGregor is saying: a hundred thousand overdose deaths a year as a result of the fentanyl that crosses that Mexican border. It is the uh, controlled by the Mexican drug cartels right now, north and south, uh, and over a hundred thousand just in the last three years under the Biden administration and previously under Trump as well. We're looking at nearly a half a million deaths of American citizens at the hands of the Chinese and the Mexican government because it defers to the cartels. Now, folks, as he's talking about, as Doug is talking about getting our heads right, take a look at that and compare those casualty numbers to World War One, World War Two. The Civil War uh, is the only war that would exceed those numbers uh, in, in our country's history. And people are simply blithely going on accepting collateral damage, Doug. That's that's 100 percent correct. You could not be more right. And uh, we, we for some reason, the American people don't they, they seem to be almost uh, anesthetized. Uh, I'm surprised that, you know, hundreds of thousands of Americans are not in the street demanding action. I mean, I, I, I continually 
call for the use of the U.S. Army on the Mexican border. The Army was there from 1846 to 1948. It controlled the border and policed it. It was critical to our national security. Uh, it's critical today to our national security. It, it, when you mention, well, let's put the Army there, people look at you and they don't even seem to understand why. I, I haven't figured this out, Lou. Is it because we're such a large country that not enough of us are personally uh, touched by this tragedy on the border? Yeah, I think the answer to that is really complicated. Uh, but I think foremost amongst the reasons would be, one, not until, uh, and I think we have to credit uh, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, with this. When he started transporting uh, illegals up to New York City, uh, he had decided to start showing people what a sanctuary city really was. Uh, the mayor of Eric Adams uh, has uh, has gotten religion. He now wants uh, to, he's out begging people, whether it's Colombia, whether it's Mexico, all across the, the Central America, begging them not to send any more illegal immigrants. That's the mayor now. Uh, you know, it, it's just it, it's just the way the national corporate media uh, is reporting. It's in their interest because their corporate uh, owners and the oligarchs that uh, make up media uh, are in line and in tune with Wall Street and all of corporate America, which they want, obviously, those people in here for two reasons. One, for cheap labor, two, uh, for more votes. Uh, and they'll lie, cheat and steal. And they've done just that for three for 30 years, 30, three decades uh, on the border. So it's that's where we are now. And uh, something is about something is about to break because it can no longer be tolerated. I think you're right. Uh, well, you know, it's very clear that, that, that Netanyahu is not going to be there much longer. He is going to be held personal respo personally responsible for this breach of security. Uh, with Gaza. That's mm -hmm. inevitable. He will be gone. And he deserves to be removed for that because he's been very bellicose. He's very strident in his rhetoric. And the Israeli armed forces were not where they were supposed to be. The Mossad did not do its job properly. The focus was obviously somewhere else. Some people say it was internal. I don't know. But he's going to be held responsible. The question is, we have a much worse situation in in the strategic sense confronting us, as you've pointed out, uh, as a result of the open borders policy, who is going to stand up and demand that the people in Washington be held accountable for this? That's what I you, keep asking. You know, I, when you we talk about accountability, uh, this administration hasn't been held accountable for anything because it controls the, the deep state. The Marxist stems who control this administration won't permit it. There's been a cover up since uh, the uh, well, actually, before even uh, the uh, Obama uh, administration. But continuing into this, uh, we're looking at a collaboration between the deep state, the Marxist stems and uh, the Marxist socialist of Europe and the CCP. Right now, those entities and organizations and nation states are more in alignment than the two political parties of the United States uh, are with one another, the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, it is a it's a conflict that is uh, before us. It, it plays out every day. And the Republicans, bless the poor, the poor, good hearted fools don't understand that they're in a war that they're losing and haven't even yet fought. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure really that many of these so-called Republicans are really in the war at all. 
uh, I have a feeling that they've sort of merged with the Uniparty. That's another subject. But the, the bottom line is that in Europe, things are going to change. The Germans will throw out their current government. I think the French will do the same thing. Uh, I think we're going to see lots of governments turn over in Europe. My concern is what do we do here? Everybody talks about the election, but as you've pointed out, how do we how do we guarantee the integrity of our electoral process? Exactly. How do we ensure the people that vote are the ones that should vote? Uh, I, I am appalled when I listen to governors talk about online voting. Why would you want that? Why would you absolve the individual citizen of making the effort to go to the poll to identify himself as an American citizen and a legal resident and cast his vote? Why, why are we de- demeaning voting as something that you just do when you feel like it online? It's incomprehensible to me. Well, I think the the governors you're talking about are likely, uh, you know, Democrats. They're in, in mayors of big cities uh, that are run by Democrats. They have a low information electorate and constituency. They think they can get away with it. Uh, they insult the people they are supposed to represent every day by uh, by doing exactly what you've described. Uh, there is no accountability because no one to hold them accountable. Not the mayor, not the media, not their low information uh, data and information uh, constituents. Uh, they live and depend on upon the ignorance of the the people they are were elected to serve. It's it's atrocious, but it's the system. The system and the state of our country right now uh, across far too much of it. Uh, We've got two wars going now. What about Ukraine? We'll take that up with Colonel Doug McGregor in just a moment. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're talking with Colonel Doug McGregor. Thanks for staying with us. And Colonel, we were talking about two wars and Ukraine. What is the situation in your judgment in Ukraine, and what does the additional conflict in the Middle East add to uh, our our geopolitical concerns? Well, the first geopolitical concern that Americans should have at this point is that we're having trouble recruiting for the armed forces. The United States Army is far below the strength that is required. Uh, the same is true for the Marines. The same is true for the Navy. And in addition to that, we're unable to recruit qualified people. Uh, We've driven large numbers of qualified young soldiers and Marines out of the service over this VAX nonsense and, you know, the the current social engineering programs, which are offensive and repugnant 
and divisive. So our armed forces are in no shape to do anything. And I think the American people need to know that. You've been talking about societal cohesion, which is effectively what we're dealing with with this widespread uh, criminality. Well, the same thing is true in the armed forces. We're, our country is not strong, and our country is not in a position to take on a major opponent. Now, when you look at Ukraine, we've now pretty much exhausted much of our war stocks by shipping everything over to this Ukrainian army. And remember, the Ukrainian army, like the Ukrainian state, is hopelessly corrupt. Ukrainian company and battalion commanders are pocketing the cash that is supposed to go to their soldiers in payment uh, because they never report anyone killed. Because if you report a soldier killed, he doesn't get paid anymore. So the Ukrainians have lost between 450,000 and 500,000 men dead. And those people, in many cases, are still being carried on the Army's rolls, and that's enriching the battalion commanders and company commanders. People that are wounded seriously on the battlefield in Ukraine and the Ukrainian army can't even get evacuated. If they want to be evacuated to a real hospital to be treated, they have to bribe the medical authorities and the ambulance drivers to take them there. Ukraine is finished. The war is done. The only thing that can happen now is that things can get very much worse because our refusal to talk to the Russians, our refusal to acknowledge their legitimate security interests in Ukraine, just as we have legitimate security interests in Mexico, means that the Russians will have to advance. They'll have to move further west, and they will. And if they do, they could end up at the Polish border because there is nothing to stop them. And the Europeans are turning away from this. The Poles have turned away from the notion of going to war in Ukraine against Russia. They realize it's, it's pointless and it's suicidal. We are going to lose this battle on a gargantuan scale, unless we belly up to the table, admit the truth, the war is lost, the war is done, and try to negotiate some sort of stable peace that excludes the notion that whatever remains of Ukraine will ever become part of NATO. Remember that when Ukraine was neutral, I was stationed at the, I worked at Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe, and everyone at the time in the 1990s said the most important mission that Ukraine has is to keep the the Russians 500 miles to the east. And the way you do that is by being neutral. That's That was always the solution. That's going to have to be the solution now. Or you will end up with hundreds of thousands of Russian troops on the Polish border, the Romanian border, the Moldovan border. Uh, the Russians don't want that, and neither do we. So that has to end. There is no other way. And the sooner it ends, the better, because the longer that drags on and the longer that we fail to contain, if we do not contain this conflict between Israel and Hamas and prevent other bad actors from involving themselves, then we could see a very large regional war become a global conflict. That's not what we need. It's not what we need, but it is certainly what we have. And... Armies uh, go to war with the uh, the armies they have, not the ones they necessarily want or need. Uh, we would be going to war with a commander in chief and civilian leadership over our military that is a nightmare. I can't even imagine uh, what the command structure would really be uh, in this situation. Can you? Well, I think the, the truth is this. Uh, we haven't been in this kind of position certainly since uh, the late 30s, when the Depression obviously reduced the Army 
and the armed forces in general to a perilously low state of readiness. Right now, we've got more problems because we have enormous morale problems, discipline problems. We're not in shape to do anything. And I, the, the administration celebrates this. They think this is a wonderful achievement, having rendered the armed forces incapable of fighting. Uh, they brag about it. They think this is diversity, inclusion, and equity. And what you get out of that is die, which means death. Uh, so we're we're in terrible shape there. I can't imagine anything being worse. But then again, I thought things were bad a few years ago, and they've only gotten worse. Uh, remember, the, here's, here's something that you can keep in mind. Fear not. We have 43 four-star generals. Imagine that. 43 four-star generals for a force of 1.16 million people. And during World War II, when we had 12.2 million men under arms, we had only seven four-stars. Gosh, how could we have possibly gotten anything right in World War II without all those extra four-stars? Well, we have a military that I, I'm sorry to say, and I, and I want to say straight up, I appreciate the service of everyone in the United States military. But right now we have a corrupt military and we have a military that is is far from being a fighting force. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we can take this up another time, but I see no way out of this without a, a major reform of the military and a return to the draft where uh, there is great equity uh, in every every uh, foreign policy decision the United States government makes because they know that the, the young men and women of every person, including the, uh, the from the president on down, will possibly be engaged in any conflict that ensues. Uh, Colonel, I want to ask you about your our country, our choice. Uh, you're the new CEO of the organization. Tell us about it, would you? Yeah, sure. Our country, our choice was founded by a group of people who were fed up and disgusted with the lack of progress in Washington in the direction of anything that made sense finally concluded that there wasn't enough difference between Democrats and Republicans to result in anything positive happening. So they decided we want to unite people across party lines. We know there are many, many good, good people of goodwill in the Democratic Party and also in the Republican Party. We want to unite them and we want to unite them around some real critical issues. Number one is end these endless wars overseas. Stop the commitments to small wars that have the potential to be large wars and destroy us. Uh, stop the waste of funds and American blood and treasure all over the world. So that was number one. Number two, stop the, uh, the destruction of the rule of law. Go after the criminality. Restore the rule of law. Deal harshly with the criminals. Close the border. Get control of the border and then find out who these people are inside the United States that have come here illegally and expel them. And finally, stop the sexualization of our children. We have to protect our children. And this government is doing everything in its power to advance an agenda that is nothing short of degenerate. And we don't want our children being talked into self-mutilating activities and gender transforming surgeries at the age of six or seven. Those kinds of things are criminal. People that do it should be in jail. Those are the things that we are really united around and those are the things that we want to focus on to change. 
Well, those sound like the issues, uh, the great issues of our time. And uh, our country, our choice, has made a great decision and made a great choice uh, in their CEO and Colonel Doug McGregor. Uh, and we made a pretty doggone good choice, I think, on our guest for today. Uh, Doug, we really uh, enjoy talking with you always and uh, hope you'll come back soon. And, uh, you know, God save America. Hey, thank you, Lou, and look forward to seeing more of you soon. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. Our guest tomorrow on The Great America Show will be Dr. Eli David on the Iranian-Hamas surprise attacks on Israel, the conflict's likely influence on the region. Please join us for that tomorrow and join us each and every day. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs and on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. And be sure to check out LouDobbs.com. Thank you, everybody. God bless you, and may God bless and save America.